What an incredible day of celebration. I will say this, that uh, uh, several years ago when I was pastoring in uh, Delaware, actually I was in Pennsylvania, I lived in Delaware, we had a pastor who had come before me and he had done a fantastic job, but he was far more compassionate than I am. Truthfully, that's not my greatest gift and I Actually, my goal is to set a low expectation so y'all don't expect a lot with compassion. So anyways, he had more compassion in his his pinky than what I had in my whole body. And by the time he left, he was a broken man in many ways, felt very defeated. And I had him come back and share with the church a few years later, and we were having a homecoming service, and uh, the sanctuary was full, and uh, when he left, he felt incredibly defeated. So I had him come up in front of the rest of the congregation, and I simply pointed out, I said, you see the fruit that is happening out here. I said, that is the result of the labor that you have put into this church. And then I had the church give him a round of applause to thank him for his service. To Pastor Don, to Pastor Wiggins, and to the many other pastors who have played a role in where this church is today, thank you. Thank you for your willingness to serve. And every time an individual gives their heart to Christ, There is an element of that that is because of your faithfulness and service. So I simply say thank you to you today. Would you give them one more round of applause? (laughs) Perceived health and beauty are not always what they seem to be on the outside. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with Clemson's defensive coordinator, Brent Venables. He is a great individual and an incredibly personable individual. As he approached me, he informed me that I looked good and that I looked like I'd been working out. I replied the way any guy would. I shrugged my shoulders and said, well, you know... Just kind of hoping that I would kind of savor the moment. I then complimented him, and then we hung out for a little while and talked about our kids for a while. Later that night, I was feeling pretty good about myself, so I told my wife what he had said. And she was very quick to bring me back down to earth. (laughs) She replied, really? I, I thought you looked much healthier back in the spring when you were working out. You can always count on your wife to keep you humble. Well, there are many who appear healthy and strong and beautiful on the outside. Yet the reality is that they are ugly and often diseased on the inside. The worst part is that often they have absolutely no idea regarding the thing that lies deep within them. They genuinely believe they are healthy yet they are not. I had Richard read a passage earlier from 2 Kings chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. The entirety of the story is 2 Kings chapter 22 and 23. And I just want to encourage you to go back and to read the rest of the story at some point. I'm not going to read all of it to you today. It is a great story that unfortunately seems very familiar in today's culture. Our passage today reveals a moment in time when God's people, and specifically those who would come to worship, likely thought of themselves as spiritually healthy, yet they were truly diseased. 
you can be sure that it didn't happen overnight. In fact, let me give you a little backstory on the passage. You've already heard it read to you. The Israelites had an up and down relationship with God. There were times that they were wholeheartedly devoted to him. And then there were times that they would compromise, which would lead them to eventually walk in complete disobedience to him. As we pick up the current situation for the Israelites, we see that they are apparently as far away from God as they have likely ever been. Don't get me wrong. They're still a spiritual group. In fact, they were so spiritual that they had brought in many other religious practices, almost morphing the worship of evil false gods with their own worship of the one true living God. They built altars in high places and in the temple, even in the temple of God. They provided male shrine prostitutes at the temple. They worshiped different gods of nature. They worshiped Baal. They worshiped Asherah and even Moloch. Perhaps you recognize some of these false gods as belonging to their enemies. Certainly it was the prophets of Baal and Asherah who were killed on Mount Carmel as they stood opposed to Elijah and his God. But they were nothing compared to the detestable nature of Moloch. He was one of the gods of the Canaanites. And the primary act of worship and devotion for this particular God was child sacrifice. They would take their live infant children and lay them in the hands of a stone figure, lighting this stone figure on fire. In a matter of minutes, their child's living body would be consumed by the fire. And as crazy and as cruel as that may sound, by the time we get to our passage here, the Israelites had found a way to incorporate these evil practices into their worship of God. Oh, they were still very spiritual, but they weren't godly. And maybe you wonder how this could happen. I mean, they had a great heritage. They had individuals who had great faith and purity who had shown them what it was to be a child of God. If anything, you would expect that they would walk in a way very similar to what they had seen already. They had received incredible blessings from God. They had everything that they needed to succeed. But something went terribly wrong. How could people who were fully devoted to God turn to such ridiculous behavior and not even realize that they had a problem? Because that's exactly what happened. Well, in their case, we know that they had laid God's word aside. In fact, we're told that by the time we reach today's passage, the scriptures, the word of the Lord, had literally been lost to the people of God for six decades before they stumble upon the book of the law. And don't just assume that this was an intentional act of putting away God's word. It was probably simply an oversight. It was something that seemed very good-natured as they chose to focus on some other things that were probably pretty good for the church or the body to focus on. Perhaps they focus on the need for 
people to be good, to make good decisions, maybe on the need for social justice, maybe on having a high-quality worship experience, or maybe on their own pursuit of prosperity. Maybe they wanted to be tolerant of all beliefs, not wanting to offend anybody in the Israelite community. But for whatever reason, they stopped seeking God's word until one day they no longer even remember where the old manuscripts had been left. And all the while, spiritual people still regularly come to the temple. Over the years, they had simply redefined what church would be like, but they came up with the wrong definition. It was time once again to redefine what the church would be like. It was once again to redefine what God desired the church to be, but as they redefined what church would be, it was time for them to go back to the original definition. You know, as we look at the Israelite story today, I fear that we are not all that far from where they were at this moment in time. I'm not talking about any particular church, but rather the Christian church as a whole, although it is something that the local church needs to be aware of as well. We too have a great heritage and leaders who have done very well in the past, but that doesn't mean that our future will be bright. We still must choose today who we will be and what we will do. Remember the words of Joshua 3, 5. Those who have been coming here regular, you've heard this every week for about three weeks in a row. Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I believe that God truly does desire to do amazing things in our midst But God also expects that we will be set apart for him, that we will be the people of God that we were called to be. Otherwise, we should not expect that those amazing things will take place. Just because we have a great heritage does not guarantee that our future will be so great. But if we will sanctify ourselves and truly be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, we should expect that his spirit will show up and his blessing will remain. Past leadership is never a guarantee of success, but when we are sanctified, we now put ourselves in the hands of God and trusting in his blessing rather than Pastor Don or Pastor Wiggins' blessing. The truth is that many of us have made church into all kinds of things. And many of them seem like really good things. Some would say that we are seeing the very words of Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, fulfilled right before our very eyes. It talks of a church having a form of godliness, yet denying its power. Well, maybe it is time for us to stop being spiritual and start getting back to what was once a strong foundation in the church. In our passage, we see some steps that can help us to do that. And it all begins back in 2 Kings 22, verse 11. The king has just been informed that the book of the law has been found and he orders that it be read to him. But listen to his response and notice that he immediately recognized a need for repentance. It says, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. 
The king tears his clothes as a sign of brokenness, recognizing that whatever we've made church to be, it does not belong in us. Now consider this. Consider the fact that he is still young. He is in his late 20s, which means he is never in his lifetime even heard the word of the Lord until he did that day. Immediately, he experiences conviction. He realizes that we've made church something different from what it was originally designed to be. We have cheapened it until it no longer appropriately honors the God of the universe. And here's the thing. Knowledge is very, very powerful. The king is about 27 when this happens. That means as he has not heard this, basically he had the opportunity. He could, he could plead ignorance. I didn't know that that's what was expected of me. I didn't know that God had these specific plans for the people of God. But now that he knows, now that he knows that God is very specific in how we are to worship, that he is a jealous God and he will not tolerate all of these other religious practices, what he does with that knowledge now matters. He must act on it. I remember as a youth pastor, I used to tell my students that good personalities or abilities do not overcome bad behavior. In today's church, I might add that it does not overcome bad theology. We have churches that are being led by gifted people, and we assume that because they are talented, that they will lead us to the throne of God. But the truth is, often... They may not even be the godly people that we would want to imitate in the first place. Sure, they have great talents and abilities, but they're no different from those outside of the body of Christ. It is time for us as a church, as a denomination, as the Christian body as a whole, to stop looking at the gifts and abilities of others and thinking about how we want to be just like everybody else outside the church. Maybe it is time for us to not be like everybody else outside the church. Maybe it is time for us to once again get back to the foundation that this faith was truly built on. If we are not pointing people to the biblical Jesus Christ... It doesn't matter how talented you are. You are not the church as God intended you to be. We may be good people. We may be spiritual people. But we dishonor the name of Jesus Christ. So it's time for us to act. What do we do with the knowledge that we have? As we look at the king in this setting in 2 Kings chapter 23, the first thing that we see him do is he shares the love it's not enough that he be transformed. He wants his entire kingdom to be transformed. So he speaks up. He calls all the people together and has the priests read the book of the law to them. But don't miss what he's actually doing here. It's not just about reading words on a page. This is not just about more information. What he's doing is he's hitting the reset button. This is about redefining the standard for what we do in worship and in our daily lives. We don't do things just because it makes us feel good or because others have done them. We do things because God has instructed us to do them. What he is doing is declaring that from this point forward, 
God's word will be the foundation for everything we do. I wonder if this is the same standard by which the church operates today. I fear that it's not. Instead, we do things because of tradition. We do things because it's what we like, our personal preference. We do things because the world around us has certain expectations and we don't want to disappoint them. Again, they may be some good ideas, but if anything other than God's word is our foundation, then we are in a very bad place. The time is now for the body of Christ to repent, not just for the pastors, for the missionaries, but for all of us, and not just for the sins of others. It's easy for us to look at other churches and say, well, what they're doing is ungodly. They're so focused on being seeker-sensitive and trying to reach people that they've basically reached them to a shallow gospel. It's a whole lot easier to look at their problems, but maybe we need to stop and look at our own hearts. Where have we allowed compromise in the body of Christ? Where have we gotten our eyes off of the Word of God? It is time for us to repent and to turn away from sin. By the way, as we read through these two chapters we would, if we were to read through the entire thing, we would see that it's more than talk. It's more than just information. Actually, one of the things I love is immediately the king recognizes the need to go out and to, to change what has happened. He begins to tear down all of these altars. Now, remember, all these people had embraced these false gods. He says, no more. They destroy the, the, the idol, Moloch. They tear down the altars of Asherah and Baal. They destroy the, the rooms that have been set aside for the male prostitutes in the temple. Basically, the idea is if we're truly going to be children of God, we don't want any connection to what had penetrated the church already. What they're saying is, I don't want to go back to that anymore, so let's get rid of it all. And that's what they do. Maybe for some of us today, we need to get rid of certain idols. Maybe we need to get back to the foundation that we once knew. Man, I, I hope every person in this room attends church on a regular basis, that you are being spiritually fed, that you are growing and becoming the people of God that you were intended to be. Maybe some of us need to get back to the foundation, though. We need to get plugged back into a body of Christ. We need to continue to seek the Lord with everything. We need to begin to allow God's word to become foundational in our daily lives, not just when the pastor preaches on Sunday. We need to begin to pray with one another, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ, to proclaim the hope to the world around us that desperately needs it. Maybe today is a day that we get back to the foundation of the church. Now, I will say this. Church will not look like it did. When, when did you come here, Pastor Wiggins? Church will not look like it did in 1976. Now, I know you think it's warm in here, but in 1976, I, I think it would have been warmer in here. I know, global warming and all that, but you put this many people in a room, we got brand new air conditioners in here. If you didn't have brand new air conditioners, you would be burning up. Do you really want to go back to 1976? 
The fact is, church will never look like it did at that moment in time. But understand this, the foundational principles must remain. The same word that was proclaimed when Pastor Wiggins did it in 1976 must still be proclaimed today. I don't care if it's me in the pulpit or Pastor Don in the pulpit or Jim Hansen in the pulpit or anyone else. The word of God must remain the same. How we do it may be different. But there are certain things that cannot change. Everything about today is time. We began with children being baptized. We're looking forward to the future. Then we took a moment and we celebrated our pastor who had led the church for many, many years. In that, we look toward the past. I want to share with something with you from the present, which, by the way, leads also to the future. This church has been blessed in many ways. This church is growing and we are reaching people, but we are also trying to look outside the box to find other ways to proclaim the good news of Christ. As we celebrate the great heritage of people getting outside of their comfort zone and faithfully bringing God's word to others, we still seek to do the same thing in the days ahead, maybe in different formats. Jim Hansen, would you come and just tell us a little bit about what you are doing through the ministry of this church? Mike, um, so about, I guess it was about a year ago, we had a conversation, um, just a laid-back conversation where I asked him about the vision of of Trinity. Where, where are we going? What's the plan moving forward? And one of the things we talked about in that conversation was the idea of church planting. Uh, does Trinity ever have plans to, to plant churches in our community or, or other places? He said, yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. In fact, you gave me a time frame. You said uh, in the next five to eight years, he would love to see Trinity planting a church or churches. Um, so fast forward a little bit, uh, this was about four months ago, uh, four and a half months ago, a close family friend of my wife and I's uh, came to us and said, uh, Jim, would you ever consider planting a church? I said, well, I, I don't know. And so we had a conversation and I was kind of reluctant. And so here's where we landed. I said to them, okay, you, you write down your thoughts your vision of what a church plant would look like. I'll do the same, and let's get back together in a week, and let's just see how close they mesh together. Now, I knew these were solid people. I knew that their love for God would mean we would have the same mission. We would all be on the mission of creating disciples and reaching a lost world that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. I knew that. But what else would it look like? And so we sat down the next week. It was on a Tuesday evening. It was my wife and I and, and, and this couple, and we started to share our vision. And the amazing thing was, is that our vision was so similar, it meshed so well together that we knew that the Holy Spirit was in it. So after discussing it, we said, well, what's next? What, what do we do? And they said, well, um, let's choose a day when we could meet for the first time. This was on a Tuesday, and I said, okay, um, well, what day of the week should we meet? And they suggested Friday evenings worked well for their schedule and for some other reasons. And I said, okay, well, let's choose a Friday. And they said, what are you doing this Friday? I said, nothing, so let's meet. And so we started a church plant in a week's time. Um, 
We meet at a local coffee shop in the town of Central. Uh, it's called Jitters. It's a new coffee shop that opened up. We meet Friday evenings at 6 o'clock. Um, so we met that first time. I came back to Pastor Mike uh, the next week and said, Mike, so remember that conversation? Um, we had talked about the time frame of a church plan. Any chance that you'd be interested in accelerating that a little bit? He was like, well, what are you thinking? I said, well, we've already started meeting. And he said, oh, what do you need? And I said, well, Mike, here, here's the thing. We don't need any money, and we don't need any people. He said, okay, let's do it. Whatever it is, we can do it. <laughs> he invited me to come to the LBA meeting that was taking place the next week, and he said, I want you to just share. I want, I want you to share what God has placed on your heart, what God is doing. Uh, and I want the LBA to support this and, and vote on this and support it if they choose to. And so I, I laid out what we do. I said, you know, we... we gather together and we are intentional about prayer we have corporate prayer together we gather together we're, we study God's word and we try to apply it in our lives and we want to grow spiritually uh, I, I told him that we, we are very interested in reaching our community and serving in our community and I can say that as a church plant the very first expense and so far the only expense that we have had is we bought the materials to help redo a driveway and a front porch for a lady in our community. Um, so I shared these, these ideas, these visions with the LBA, and they unanimously said, yes, let's do this. Let's support this. I told you that we meet on Friday nights. There's a few reasons for that, um, partly because of schedule, uh, but partly because one of the things that we wanted to do as a community, one of the things that meshed well uh, in our visions was we wanted to always share a meal together. We wanted to be like the early church that would come together to break bread and to pray. And so we decided Friday nights we can share a meal together. So every Friday night we come together. Um, it's kind of like potluck style where everybody brings something and we eat together and we sit at tables together and we talk about our weeks and our lives. And then we pray together and we read God's word together. I read this quote uh, recently by Barry Jones. He said, Table fellowship doesn't often make the list of classical spiritual disciplines. But in the midst of a world that increasingly seems to have lost its way with regard to matters of food and soul, we need a recovery of the spiritual significance of what we eat, where we eat, and with whom we eat. So we have named our church plant Common Table. We're a table that we have, we have something in common. That's that we all need the love of Christ in our lives. And so we invite people to come to our table to join us for a meal, uh, to pray with us, to learn about God, to learn about life with us. One of the things that we found is that it's very easy to go up to someone and say, hey, would you join us for a meal? We found that a lot of people are interested and open to the idea. Christ in Matthew chapter 25 challenged the disciples and I think was challenging us as well. And he said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. The disciples were struck by that because they couldn't think of when, when did we do this. Um, Christ said, for a righteous person... He said that that person will have done this to the least of these, and when you do it to the least of these, it's as if you've done it to me. So at Common Table, we 
share a meal. We offer food. We offer drink. We offer community. Today we've been talking here in this service about the history of Trinity. We've been talking about the future of the church. And as Common Table, we are a part of Trinity. Now, eventually, we plan to be an independent church. Right now, Trinity is kind of a mother church or a, a parent church for us right now. The LBA was so generous uh, in, in accepting us as a, as a sub-ministry of Trinity right now because there wasn't much that we asked for. Uh, primarily, I asked for we need accountability when it comes to finances. I don't want to touch money. Uh, and the LBA was very grateful to allow the financial team, the, the accounting here to oversee all of our funding. Pastor Mike also, in response, asked me to do a few things. He asked me to have some personal accountability with him to join the staff meetings and to attend the LBA meetings, to give updates. And I, and I gratefully agreed to do those things. So we talk about the future of the church. And for Common Table, there's a few things that I ask of you. The first is this. I ask for your prayer. We have families that, get, that come into our doors at the coffee shop on Friday evenings. We've had a family that literally said, we don't own a Bible and know nothing about the Bible, but we want to be here. Um, I ask you to pray for us. Pray for our impact because, in part, it's your impact. Um, pray that the gospel goes into our community, that we see lives that are changed. Um, the second thing that I ask is that you play a role. Now, I, I don't believe that you should come and be a part of, of our church plan of Common Table. Um, we're not trying to attract anyone from here to go there. I also don't believe that everyone in this room is called to be part of a church plan. I think that's a very unique thing, and I still question, what does that look like? But I do know this. Every single one of you is called to be the church. Be the church in your community. Now, I don't know who it is that you need to invite to your table. Maybe it's for a meal, maybe it's not. But be the church. We talk about the Trinity moving forward, the church moving forward, the way that it moves forward isn't by someone standing up here and doing everything. It moves forward by you going and being the church. So I ask for your prayer, and I ask for you to play a role. Thanks, Pastor Mike. Thanks, Jim. As I close, I just want to challenge you really along the same lines that Jim just challenged you. We began today with celebration of the past and that we had Pastor Wiggins come up. Thank you for sharing. It is a blessing that you are still a part of the ministry and you're still investing in the church. Don, thank you for participating with the baptism today. I think that was very much appropriate and such a blessing to be able to see you still partner with the church. But the success of this church has never been dependent solely upon these individuals. It is the entire body of Christ. And when we all do our part, I believe that God will show up and do incredible things. Maybe this is going to look different than what it has in the past. I'll tell you this. The whole common table thing, it, there's a little bit of discomfort for me. This isn't the way we normally do church, but who cares? 
if it opens up doors for us to reach people who are lost, then let's get out of the way and let God do whatever he wants to do. I believe God's still going to reach people in a setting like this here. And I celebrate the fact that as the church moves forward, there are great days ahead for us. But maybe God's going to work in completely different ways. Either way, it's going to involve you. So I invite you to be a part of this process. Maybe it's not always going to be with commentary. Jim's right. Not everybody's called to church planting. How can you be the body of Christ right now in other people's lives? Is the word of God central in your life? If not, it's time to make it that way. It ought to be evident in the way you live. I hope that it is. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we are grateful for the past, the heritage of this church. Thank you for the foundation. Thank you that our foundation is not solely based on pastors, but it is based on the word of God. Lord, I pray that that would never change. I pray that you would help us to make decisions that are not based on our opinions, but rather based on where your word takes us. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful even if others choose not to. I pray that you would allow the past, the celebration of what has happened, to pale in comparison with what you are going to do in the present and in the future. I pray for Common Table as Jim and Catherine spend time ministering to people in a very different format with different people that we likely would not have been able to reach here. I pray that you would use them, that you would empower them, that you would open up doors that individuals would receive your grace and then grow in that. Help them to make disciples who will make a difference. I pray for this church here. I pray that you would equip your people to go out and to serve and to change this community. Fill us with your spirit and use us so that when we do this again in 10, 20, 30 years or whenever we choose to celebrate what has taken place, that we will be able to look back and say, wow, look what our God has accomplished. Help us to be the healthy body of Christ that we ought to be. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Actually, I'm sorry, I forgot to do something. I got to pray for the food. So I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to invite you, all of you, we would love it if you would stick around. We have a meal that will take place over in the Family Life Center. Uh, several individuals have been over there working the entire service this morning just to make sure that the food is prepared. So when you go over, I also want to encourage you, find the people in the kitchen and tell them thank you. It is a blessing that you can be here and we want you to stay to eat with us. Let's pray for the food. Father, we pray that you would be honored as we eat. Be honored as we fellowship. We pray that you would bless this time. Thank you for those who have worked to prepare the meal. Help us to enjoy it in a way that honors you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. If you do not have a church home, come back here next week. We'd love to see you.